Welcome to Words of Grace, radio ministry of Elder Ben Winslet, pastor of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church near Huntsville, Alabama. We invite you to stay tuned to today's broadcast. Our broadcast today is entitled, In Them He Glorified. Lately, our focus here on Words of Grace has been on salvation. We have considered, first of all, in a three-part series, the respective roles of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the three persons of the Trinity in salvation. And as we explained from that, using Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30 as the basis for our series, God the Father is responsible for the covenant phase of salvation. God the Father, as a person of the Trinity, often represents God's sovereignty, His divine prerogative. God the Son has saved us from our sins. He died upon the cross for us. He justified us, as we read from Romans chapter 8. This would be the legal phase of salvation. And God the Spirit has quickened us when we were dead in trespasses and in sins. Or as we read in Romans chapter 8, He has called us. He regenerated us, according to Titus chapter 3. We are born of the Spirit, according to Jesus in John chapter 3. So, We are saved by God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, just a caveat to remind you of something that we said throughout that series. There are not three gods, but there is one God who exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we call this the Trinity, or the Triunity, the three-in-one Godhead. It's very important for us to understand that God is a Trinity, but at the same time, we cannot fully understand the Trinity, how God is one, and yet three who are one. We simply can't understand that, but we certainly can believe it, and we can repeat what the Bible says about it. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Well, God the Father chose us. He purpose to save us. He foreknew us and predestinated us. God the Son justified us by His blood, and God the Spirit called us. He quickened us when we were dead in trespasses and in sins. As such, as we emphasized on the broadcast last week, as we shared a message on the subject of the afterlife, as such, because of what God has done for us in salvation, when we die, when our bodies die, and the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and so everyone will die unless they're living at the time of Christ and they belong to Him. Well, when we die, we go to be with Christ in glory. We go to be with Him in a place that He referred to in the book of Luke as paradise. And that word, as we emphasized last week, is a transliteration of the Greek word, It's a place where we dwell with God in the form of our soul after our bodies die. Today, we want to revisit Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30, in a message on what God's salvation of sinners is all heading towards, that is, full and final salvation. One of the things that we discussed on last week's broadcast is the fact that most people in our country believe in an afterlife. They believe in some sort of life after death. Now, a minority, but a sizable minority, believes in only a heaven. One percent of people in our country believe in only a hell. And then some 61 percent of people believe in both a heaven and a hell. But their views on what that looks like, why a person goes to one or the other, 
very seldom reflects what the Word of God teaches on the subject, and so this is very important for us to understand. Now, as a child of God dies, his soul goes to be with the Lord, and because he has been saved by Christ upon the cross, because his spirit, his soul, has been quickened and regenerated, he goes to be with the Lord. His consciousness is with the Lord in glory. But what I want you to understand today, and this is so very important— Again, it's not unique to believe in an afterlife, but what Christians believe about the afterlife is unique. Death and going to be with the Lord in glory is not the end of our experience with God as it relates to salvation. There's yet something coming even after our death, something that will happen to our physical bodies that have died. And it isn't until that event that we will speak about more on the broadcast today, that God's purposes in salvation are completely completed, for lack of a better term. It isn't until what occurs to us, namely to our bodies, that God's work in saving us is totally and finally finished. Now, we'll read Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30 for you once again. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that's the covenant phase of salvation, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The foreknowing and predestinating was the covenant phase before the foundation of the world. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. That's the vital phase of salvation, that is when we are drawn from death and sin to life in Christ. Them he called, whom he called, them he also justified. That's the legal phase of salvation that occurred upon the cross of Calvary when Jesus was made to be an offering for sin for the people of God. And I might add that he by himself purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. There's no future purging that has to occur to a child of God to make him able and worthy to stand before God. Our sufferings here are not redemptive. Even though in our lives fire burns out the dross as it relates to our own personal practical sanctification, as we live here in the world, afflictions can be used to grow us and to teach us. However, our suffering here contributes absolutely nothing to our salvation in a redemptive sense. Our salvation, our purging— was accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross. And when he had purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And he makes intercession for us even today. Christ purged our sins alone, and that's the legal phase of salvation that we call justification. Now notice this, and whom he justified. Now they've been foreknown, predestinated, called, and justified. Whom he justified, them he also what? Them he also glorified. This is spoken of in the past tense which is interesting, and to me, what that's communicating to us is that it is as good as done. God will glorify his people. God speaks of things that are not as if they are because he's going to cause it to be. This is how this passage is referred to in the past tense, even though we're not technically glorified, or at least not glorified fully yet. Certainly there is some glory in being a regenerated person, in the Holy Spirit living within you, the Spirit of God being sent into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. But glorification is something that is not until, full glorification, until God resurrects us from the dead, raises our bodies, 
conforms us to the image of his Son, and we are with him in glory. Now, as we emphasize that point, number one, might I just remind you that redemption is not complete until God takes full possession of the purchased product. Romans 8.23 talks about the fact that we have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of the body. Now, we were redeemed legally by Christ on the cross, but when someone buys something, it's not a completed transaction until they take possession of that which they've purchased. Now, the reason that Jesus hasn't destroyed this world and resurrected the dead and taken all of his children home to be with him in glory is because, well, not every one of his children has been born yet, and they've not been born again yet. They've not been drawn from death and sent to life in Christ. And so he still has people who have been purposed to salvation before the world began. They've been predestined. They were foreknown. And because of that, he's yet waiting. But redemption is not complete until God takes possession of that which he redeemed by the blood of his Son upon the cross. If you purchase something and you pay for it in full, that transaction is not a completed process until you have that object or that item in your personal possession. So if I purchase something on Amazon, I'm not considering that a done deal until it's arrived on my doorstep and I go out and I get it and I begin to use it or enjoy it or wrap it up to give it to somebody. It's not a completed process until I've gotten it. Imagine if you bought things on Amazon, but you never got them in the mail. What would you feel about that transaction? You wouldn't consider it a transaction at all, and you would demand a refund. You would want your money back. Well, redemption is not a completed process. God redeeming people until he takes possession of the purchased product. And as we Think about that, and I love to reflect on Romans 8.23 along these lines. God sent his Son into the world to die for our sins and to purchase us body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. Christ didn't die just to save our souls from suffering after life. He died to purchase our bodies as well. Our bodies will be raised again. Remember, God created Adam after his own image, and God's original purpose for Adam was to eat of the tree of life and to remain in the garden forever as a living, physical human being. That's what Adam was created to do. Though our bodies return to dust after death, God will raise our bodies. Did the Lord Jesus, was he resurrected? Yes, he was. He came back to life on the third day. He ascended up to be with God in glory because we will be raised like he was raised, because he is the first fruits of them that slept, the firstborn from the dead. There are several different passages that talk about this fact. We will be raised again at the end of time, at the resurrection of the dead. And it's not until then that God's work in all of this is brought to its final completion. Number two, along those lines, salvation for us personally is not finished in all of its completeness until we're glorified. To be very clear, that does not say salvation is in doubt. And I can imagine some knee-jerk reactions to that as I made that statement. But salvation, for me personally, is not something that reaches its final conclusion until the resurrection of the dead, when my body is raised, glorified. 
God still has something left to do. What happens to the body when it is raised from the dead? It's saved from death, isn't it? Now, your soul has already been quickened when you were dead in trespasses and in sins, but when your body dies, God intends to raise that body again from the dead. There is yet deliverance in these five phases of salvation that we've emphasized here recently from Romans chapter 8. There is yet a deliverance to come, a salvation for your physical body from death. As your soul is reunited with your body, where does your soul go at death? Well, it goes to paradise, but Jesus will bring that soul with him, raise your body, reunite that soul with that body, and then you will be fully glorified. You will be conformed to the image of God's dear Son in all perfectness and completeness, and you will exist that way for all of eternity. That's what the ultimate end is in the mind and purpose of God in the salvation of His people, to raise them after the image of His own Son. Now think about that for just a moment. When we were created, Adam, human beings, in the beginning of time, we were made in God's own image. But this is even stronger language than that. Rather than being made in God's image, we are raised in full conformity to the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ. As Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, we've been predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And I believe firstborn there has its primary reference to being firstborn from the dead. Christ is raised again from the dead. As we are raised again from the dead, we will be in full conformity to His image. Now, there are a lot of Christians who walk around in this world thinking that they are in full conformity to the image of Jesus right now, and I'm sorry to tell you, the fact that you are aging and getting older and dealing with illness is just one of many testaments to the fact that you are still a sinner, you will die, you are not perfect, you are not fully sanctified, you are not conformed to the image of His Son, and so take heed in your pride lest you fall, because pride always goes before a fall and before destruction. We're not glorified yet. We are not becoming more and more sanctified in our lives so that at the moment of death we are more holy than we have ever been in our life, and all it takes is simply dying, and we've fully made it, our process is complete, we are as holy as we can possibly be. No, that isn't the case. As long as these bodies live, there is sin in our members. Paul said in chapter 7 of the same book, Romans, that I know in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Paul knew he was still a sinner. I know that I'm still a sinner, and as long as I'm breathing in this world, if I've not been glorified, if Christ hasn't returned and changed me, well, I still have sin. I'm not fully conformed to the image of His Son, and so we are yet awaiting that final day when Jesus returns and we are delivered fully as we are raised again. Now, there's a few things that I want to share with you about glorification today, and I have basically five points, some of which we've already commented on, so we won't comment on it at length. Glorification, number one, is the final phase in salvation. Now, salvation will be completed. Jesus said upon the cross, it is finished, and that's a slogan for us as old school Baptists. We believe that he shall save his people from their sins. Salvation will not be completed until glorification. God still has something He's going to do for us as it relates to our deliverance. The final phase of our salvation 
is glorification. He foreknew and predestinated, he called, he justified, and he will glorify. And that glorification is the last phase in the golden chain links of salvation, if you want to refer to it as such, which is a very popular, common way to talk about these phases of our deliverance in the book of Romans chapter 8. The final phase of our salvation is glorification. Number two, at glorification, we have full, perfect, and complete conformity to the image of his Son. In fact, this is actually what we were predestinated unto before the foundation of the world. If you want an interesting study, go read in a concordance, look up and look up all the passages that use the language foundation of the world. There are some interesting statements that God has inspired in his word about salvation with regards to the foundation of the world. We were chosen in him before the foundation. This salvation was promised by God who could not lie from the foundation of the world. There are many passages that talk about God and the covenant phase of salvation before he created the universe. What God has predestinated you to is full conformity to the image of his Son. And so it's interesting that what began before the world was created in God's providence is completed at the destruction of this world by his power. Glorification is what we have been predestined to. Predestinated means that pre, God has before, destinated, set the destiny or the destination, and the destiny or destination to which you've been predestined is conformity to the image of his Son. I hope I'm making sense to you today. I'm being as absolutely plain as I can possibly be with the way I'm talking about this. We have been predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son, and as we are raised from the dead and as we are glorified, as we'll emphasize in a moment, we are then conformed to the image of his Son, and we have arrived at the destiny which he before set for us. Now, Ephesians chapter 1 describes it in a similar way. It says, According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Listen to this. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, what is adoption? To wit, the redemption of the body. So, what we have been predestinated unto here in Ephesians is the same thing we're predestinated unto here in Romans 8, but he's using two different ways of describing it. We've been predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son, and we've been predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, adoption being the redemption of the body. So, being conformed to his image and being adopted, adoption being to wit the redemption of the body, has reference to the same thing. So, we've been predestinated by God the Father to be raised in total conformity to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he is, we shall be. How he was in his life, we shall be. That's the example of humanity, the type of humanity, the type of being a man that you and I will be given as we are raised from the dead at the end of time. As we just said, this is when we are raised from the dead at the end of time. This leads us to the next thought that I want to share with you, thought number three, on glorification. According to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this will occur at the second coming of Christ. 
Now, we preached a sermon this past week at Flint River Primitive Baptist Church on the subject of the Second Coming, and we tried to clarify what the Bible says versus what a lot of people in the world today think, a world where Christianity has been heavily influenced by the teachings of John Nelson Darby that we call dispensationalism. His views were unheard of and even received as heretical in his life in the 19th century, and they're the popular view of eschatology in today's time. Suffice it to say, Jesus returns on the last day according to 2 Peter 3. As he returns, there's a resurrection, simultaneous resurrection, of the just and the unjust, according to John chapter 5. And then, back to 2 Peter 3, he destroys the world by fire. So all of these other notions of a secret rapture and a left behind, all of these thoughts, they're not biblical. In fact, the left behind idea comes from the Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 24, and in Jesus' sermon in Matthew chapter 24, being taken was equated to being taken in the judgment of the flood. Who was taken in the judgment in the flood? Well, the wicked. The world was taken. Who was left behind after the flood of Noah? Noah and his family. The popular Christian notions of today's time have what Jesus actually taught in the Olivet Discourse totally backwards. I don't want to be taken in judgment. And at the second coming of Christ, it's going to be like in the days of Noah, where people are taken, like the flood took them away. They didn't know, and then the flood was here, and they were taken away in judgment and destroyed. I don't want to be taken away. I'm going to be like Noah. What happened to Noah after the flood? He was left behind. Left behind in that passage means literally remaining with God after he cast the wicked into the lake of fire. Christ returns on the last day, and this resurrection from the dead occurs at his second coming. Notice this from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. In other words, if you're deceased, people who are alive and remain at the second coming of Christ are not going to escape this creation before you. No, we which are alive and remain will not precede them which are asleep or dead. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. There's not a secret rapture of people who know the Lord prior to the resurrection, or the second coming, or the end of time. We will not go before them. Literally, dispensationalism contradicts this principle. And further, in the book of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, we read that every eye is going to behold him at his second coming. Sometimes I wonder where people get these notions they have today. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So you've got the dead raised. They go to meet the Lord in the air. God sends his angels to gather the elect from the four winds, as we read in the Gospels. Then those who are alive and remain are going to be brought up to be with him and them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort you one another with these words. That's the way the second coming is going to happen. Christ returns, the dead are raised, we which are alive and remain shall join them in the air, and then we will be taken away to be with the Lord forevermore. Now, what happens when the dead are raised at the second coming? Well, this brings us to point four. As the dead are raised, their bodies are asleep in the ground, they are raised in a different way than they were sown. That is to say, they are raised in what we call glorified bodies. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15 is explicit on this point. Paul writes regarding our bodies, and you see this in verse 35. Some man will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? As he begins speaking about the bodies that we have in the resurrection, he says, it is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown, two words, in corruption, our bodies. They're planted in the ground. The word sow means to plant. Our bodies are planted in the ground in corruption, but they are raised in incorruption. Our bodies are sown in dishonor. Our bodies are raised in glory. Our bodies are sown, planted, buried in weakness. Our bodies are raised in power. It is sown, planted, buried, a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Now, what he means by this is our body is sown, it's planted, and that body, it, the antecedent being our body, is raised, but it's raised different. In a word, it's changed, it is glorified. Our bodies are raised conformed to the image of Christ. What about those of us who are alive at the time? You say, I'm not dead at the time of the coming of Christ. What's going to happen to me? Well, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Verse 51. We're not all going to be dead at the second coming of Christ, referring to God's people, but we will all be changed. This corruption must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. And so what happens to those who are alive and remain is that they are, another biblical word, translated at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Enoch early in Genesis, Hebrews 11:5 says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. But before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch was translated. He was glorified. Those that are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord that belong to him, they will also be translated. They will be changed. They will be glorified, conformed to the image of his Son. Now, being conformed to the image of his Son, let's focus on that for just a moment as we bring our broadcast to a close. You are still you. You still are have the body that you had when you lived here, albeit a changed version of that body. That body that was sown is the same body that is raised. However, it has been changed. It has been glorified. It has been conformed to the image of Christ. You are still you, but you are a version of you with no sin because you're conformed to the image of Christ. This you, this glorified you in the resurrection, has no potential to sin. Adam had potential to sin. He was made subject to vanity. But in the resurrection, we are like Christ. Christ was tempted in all points like as are we, yet without sin. He was impeccable. He was unable to be corrupted. So we, in the resurrection, glorified, will be unable to be corrupted. There shall be no sickness in your experience, in your glorified body. There will be no pain in your glorified body. There will be no forgetfulness. There will be no dementia. There will be no cancer. There will be no Parkinson. There will be no arthritis. There will be no pandemics. There will be no stomach issues. There will be no inflammatory or autoimmune disorders. You will be raised up with no pain. There will be no enemies when you are raised again, because Satan, his angels, and all of his people have been cast into the lake of fire, and you are with God and your true family in him. 
and most beautifully, there will be no death, because being conformed to the image of his son, what did his son do on the third day? Well, he defeated death. He rose again. And so as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? There's a lot about life after this world in the resurrection that we don't understand. But one thing that we do know, and this is the expression of the psalmist David in Psalm 17 and verse 15, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Again, I'm Ben Winslet, thanking you for listening to Words of Grace today. Inviting you to write, let me know that you've received the broadcast, and also to tune in again next week at this time. Until then, may the Lord's richest blessings be yours, is my prayer. If you enjoy the messages you hear on Words of Grace, consider this your invitation to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. An online directory is available at marchtozion.com. Copies of this and other broadcasts are available for download on iTunes and on our website. And finally, Words of Grace is a listener-supported program. To contact us, address your correspondence to... Words of Grace Radio, 641 Moontown Road, Brownsboro, Alabama, 35741. Or visit us online at flintriverpbc.org.